Hey everybody, this is Warren Sharp, NFL analyst over at Sharp Football Analysis. I want to welcome you to the Ringer Gambling Show. Join me on Mondays, Wednesdays, and Fridays each week during the NFL season with guests Chris Vernon, Ben Solak, and Joe House to guide you through the NFL betting landscape. We'll be talking spreads, game totals, parlays, player props, futures, and much, much more. Be sure to follow the Ringer Gambling Show on Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. It's the Full Go, presented by FanDuel. The playoff action is heating up, and with FanDuel, you can bet on everything from the NBA Finals MVP to who's going to lift the Stanley Cup. And right now, you can check out the new and improved Parlay Hub. Filter by odds, sport, and bet type to easily find the most popular parlays and same-game parlays, or SGPs as the kids like to call them, all on one page. Plus, start betting on the pulse and get paid instantly when you win. So download the app today and bet with FanDuel, America's number one sports book. The Ringer is committed to responsible gaming. Please visit rg-help.com to learn more about the resources and helplines available and listen to the end of the episode for additional details. Must be 21 plus, 18 plus in D.C. and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or visit rg-help.com. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. Chicago everywhere, check it. What up, world? You're listening to The Full Goal with Jason Golf, presented by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Yeah. The San Francisco 49ers is like, hey, y'all, y'all want to win a game? <laughs> the Bears like, nah, we cool. <laughs> we good, you know? Oh, Lord. Uh, what, what episode is this, Tanny? 23. Oh, 23. A magical number here in the city of Chicago. Uh, welcome into episode 23 of the Full Go Podcast. I'm Jason Goff, joined by my guys. They're not even producers anymore. They're just people who commiserate with me, especially on these Sundays where Tanny and I know the, the true dread and, and fright, not just because of Halloween, but the true dread and fright that comes along with being a Bears fan. And Steve Cerruti is just looking at us, smiling half the time. Cerruti, what's your favorite football team? Oddly enough, I am a Niners fan, dude. Oh, oh, so this is part. Oh, that's why. I, I try to keep it quiet Tanny. for most of the week. <laughs> oh, shit. That's why, Tanny. Yeah. This is a, he's never been. His, his, his Zoom usually goes off immediately when we no, start no, no, recording. No. I'm one of those guys, though, that hates my own team. So, I listen, I, I, the, Fucking it's been welcome disaster. to the club. What do you think it's we been, are? That's all I know. We can all just commiserate together. I feel like, you know, I don't brag about it too much because it hasn't been awesome to be a 49ers fan recently. So, I don't You talk went to a goddamn time. Super Bowl three years ago. Yeah, but you know, what are you we, talking? Haven't, those, we haven't had a winning record since then. Steve, is it Steven? 
what does mom and dad it's call it's Rudy. you? Rudy. Well, they don't call me Rudy. <laughs> yeah, I'm about to say. If you're talking about mom, it's definitely Steven. Mr. Steven Cerruti, do you have the nerve to to look at Chris Tannehill and I and say <laughs> we haven't had a winning record in forever? Is that what you just said to us? Hey, you guys uh, have been to the more uh, you guys have been to the playoffs more recently than the 49ers. I'm just saying. How old of a man are you there, Steve? <laughs> I'm, well, here's the thing. Here's I love the this thing. the cross examination of a 49er. That's fine. Fan. I'm I'm 32 years old. I missed the real good 49er days. So oh, so okay. I didn't get I didn't get yeah. Montana. I got a little bit of Steve Young, and I got a lot of Jeff Garcia. Then I got a lot of Tim Rattay, and then I got a lot of the bad Alex Smith era. You got a little Jim Drunkenmiller in there, era. right? Jim Drunkenmiller. Yeah. Ew. So listen, I'm not one of those guys that's going. Oh yeah, five Super Bowls. I saw barely one of them. So you got the the bad salary cap, Eddie DeBartolo, uh, 49 Correct. You, you, got Correct. When, you got when y'all had like I got the six two and players. fourteen. Yeah, the two and fourteen first overall pick every over every, every couple oh. of years, 49ers. So I am not one of those guys that I feel like, you know, you can make fun of it. Because people will be like, Oh, you hop on the bandwagon. I'm like, what bandwagon? They've been awful my whole life. <laughs> right, right. <laughs> hey man, Jimmy Garoppolo makes that throw, you're feeling a little bit different today, even three Correct. years later. Correct. Yeah. yeah, there's some Kaepernick stuff in there too, or the comeback and the lights coming off. Like there's some there's some real close ones, but hey, no cigar, dude. Yeah, yeah. So welcome to our lives, pretty yeah. much. Uh, listen, man, that was Justin Fields' best game as a as a bear, as a professional. I'm cool with some of the things that happened on the offensive end. Obviously, the defense. Listen. I don't know how to feel and what to feel about this defense half the time. We go two games in a row where we're talking crazy about this defense and Khalil Mack and Khalil Mack this and Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn are are, are lining up on the same side of the football. Sean Desai is doing what he has to do as as a play caller. The first few weeks of the season, Sean Desai was, to me, the best coach on the staff. Sean Desai didn't have a good game today. Roquan Smith didn't have a good game today. Akeem Hicks didn't have a good game today. That defense, in every moment that you needed them to stand firm, just couldn't do it. Whether it be against the run, against the pass. There was a moment there, and I'm looking back at my notes, right? Because my notes, I was told I need to start taking more notes because I try to keep everything in my head, and that's why I have all the anxiety and the and the stress that I have. And this is from my, my therapist lady. I appreciate her so much, but, you know, I, I get free advice every once in a while. So looking back at my notes, guys, we, we all watch the same game, so I'm not going to go through all of them, but first quarter, you get into this joint 15 seconds into the game, Eddie Jackson pulls a hamstring. So you're asking yourself, is the defense going to be better or worse because of how Eddie Jackson has played over the last, I don't know, 20 games or so, 25 games, right? Last year and a half, Eddie hadn't been very good. So he pulls his hamstring in the first uh, 15 seconds of the game. Uh, Tease Tabor takes over, not Chris Tabor, you know, special teams coach slash interim head coach for one game. That's the head coach. Tease Tabor, uh, 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 well, I was going to say a rookie, but a guy who people were excited about coming into the league out of Florida, uh, too slow to be a corner, not as physical as you need to be a safety, but had ball skills in Florida. It's been a, it's been a long time since he was that prospect. He gets inserted into the lineup. There was a third and 23, ladies and gentlemen, that might have been the longest time a quarterback has had to throw this year in the NFL. 
in the NFL. Jimmy Garoppolo was back there pumping and 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 looking and surveying. He had to go through. He had time to go through four or five uh, progressions. He hit Muhammad Sanu. It was like an 18 yard game. It's fourth and five. They punt the ball. But in that moment, I knew it was going to be a long day for the Bears defense. Khalil Mack is important. We've talked about Khalil Mack. Hell, we talked about him in the preview on Thursday, that he isn't able to wreck a game with the regularity that he used to be. But damn, if you don't need him out on the field, like he, he, the practice has been sketchy over the last two, three weeks. He's got the foot injury along with some other things. But Akeem Hicks and Robert Quinn wasn't lined up on the same side enough for my liking. Sean Desai, who, who has done that with Robert Quinn and Khalil Mack, Khalil Mack and Akeem Hicks, Robert Quinn and Akeem Hicks, whatever combination you want. He's lined his two formidable pass rushers up on the same side a few times this year. It didn't happen enough for my liking, especially with Trent Williams out there at left tackle for the 49ers. That is one side of the football that if you don't pay some kind of attention to or attack, that's going to be an island all day long. One-on-one, Trent Williams is going to handle a lot of people in this league. But you got to give him pressure. You got to make Kyle Shanahan adjust. And I don't think the Bears defense did that enough. Uh, There was a third and 11 in that same first quarter that told me that this was going to be the day for Fields. Third and 11 converted by Fields to Mooney on a comeback route. Uh, and, and, And the Bears called an early bootleg. And I'm like, oh, okay. You know what I noticed today? Aside from the defense sucking the high heavens. The offense was coordinated, and I know Bill Lazor is out there with Matt Nagy, the games prior to this, and the play calling has been his for the last few weeks or so, but I'll be damned if you didn't notice that there was a difference on that sideline, and Chris Tabor uh, is uh, he is a special teams coach through and through. Like, that dude is screaming and yelling and pumping his fist on the first stop where, <laughs> where the, the bum-ass kicker for the, for the 49ers, and I, I say that you know, jokingly and lovingly, uh, but the, the kicker who missed an extra point, uh, who finally gets a field, his first field goal, Chris Tabor's going crazy because the defense had to stop. I'm sitting in the cut like, all right, want to see what the offense is looking like? Bill Lazor seemed like he called the game that he's been waiting to call. The plays were coordinated. The stretch handoffs to Khalil Herbert actually looked like something when you came back with the counteraction with the bootleg. There was naked bootlegs. There was there was bootlegs with tight end action where Cole Komet is sitting in there for a counter two and then releasing. They made Nick Bosa play football. Now, for whatever reason, Matt Nagy and Bill Lazor ain't the same as Bill Lazor and Bill Lazor. Because over the last few weeks, you can see that there has been um, uh, a departure from some things that you're like, okay, that's working. Khalil Herbert stretch outside zone runs are working, right? Khalil Herbert, oh, there's a screen pass to Khalil Herbert out of nowhere. Oh, look at that. They're going back to, it's like a comic coming back to a joke that he started his set with, you know, 45 minutes later. You're like, oh, that why, that's why that guy or that's why that girl is a genius. Because 45 minutes later, they hit me upside the head with it. That's why we call, call play, uh, play callers, I should say, geniuses or, you know, the next offensive guru. Because in the third 
third and fourth quarter, I hit you upside the head with something that I've been setting up, not only for this game, I don't want to get into my training day, but I've been planning this for weeks, son. Like, that's what you need to do. Put something on tape. Three weeks later, come back to it when they're not expecting it. The Bears' offense is no damn good. But the Bears' offense is less no damn good when Bill Lazor's calling plays. You ain't going to be able to tell me different, and you're not going to be able to tell me that Justin Fields doesn't have a different demeanor when Screamy McGrindy is out there, uh, uh, you know, getting it on and, you know, telling people to come to Club Dub and, and looking for the wise and all this other crap. Like, Matt Nagy, good guy, good guy, and I hate piling on, and I hope he's getting healthier and, and resting up after dealing with COVID. But, man, if it didn't look like an offense that was actually coordinated to y'all, then I, I need something else to view the, t- the, the game through, right? I, one of those instant cameras or or the viewfinders like back in the day, right, where you, you put the little circular disc in there and you just watch some horrifying thing in 3D vision inside of a viewfinder. That's what I need because what I saw today was a different Bears offense. Khalil Herbert didn't even run wild, but guess what? He got a chance to run. And guess who else got a chance to run? Justin goddamn Fields, the dude who was drafted because he was a dual-threat quarterback. No, he's not a running quarterback, right? And he's not a drop-back passer because he's both. He's a dual threat. The man had 100 yards today. He was responsible for a touchdown on the ground as well as through the air. The interception, I'm not as mad about that as other people are. He tried to give his guy Darnell Mooney a play. Of course, I would rather him try to get down the field a chunk at a time, but it's what, a minute 50 left? You got, you're down 11 points. You got to get a touchdown, a two-point conversion, get an onside kick, and a field goal. He's an ambitious, aggressive kid. You can tell the DNA of this dude. And I'm, if you think that Justin Fields can't play football, then I don't know what to tell you. If this game wasn't the, another indictment on Matt Nagy and whatever the hell is going on up there at Hallis Hall, don't know what to tell you. Because that kid with those throws – Throughout the game, there were four or five throws where I'm like, there it is. That's what we've been looking for. This is the tape that we're ready to evaluate. Not the Tampa tape, right? Not the Cleveland tape when it's nine sacks, you know, fresh fresh off the starting nod. This is the tape. And a loss, you found out more what your quarterback was than any win this season. Any win. They did zone read runs they did rpos like this is what you drafted them for and speaking of what you drafted them for whatever connection that you expecting him to have with Allen robinson who was the number one receiver here since he's arrived in chicago it ain't there it ain't happening that man is getting four chances a game to make a play that's it you looking at Komet, he's he's looking at Darnell Mooney exclusively. And I don't know if he's just locked in on him or they have some kind of chemistry or that's the guy that's getting open. I don't know which one it is. You can go ahead and pick. Everybody out there watching the All-22 or going back and watching this game, that's on you. All I know is Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields got something going. And Jesse James, that throw that, that Justin Fields made to Jesse James, I know I just mentioned the comeback route to Darnell Mooney on 3rd and 11. That throw to Jesse James is why you traded up and drafted this dude. That was an elite-level throw. Under duress, getting out of the pocket, scrambling to his non-throw side. He's, th- he's scrambling left. 
and throwing, obviously, with his right hand. He's throwing against his body, throwing a ball that only Jesse James can get to. You talk about throwing guys open in tight spaces, that was it. That's why you draft that dude. These little special traits and, and glimpses, this is what it's supposed to be. Now, are these guys going to be here to develop him? Who knows? But this is the game where if you're a Bears fan and you've been questioning it or you're all in, whatever the case may be, you got further proof for your argument of hope when it comes to Justin Fields. This was the game. And shout out to Freddie Gibbs because Freddie said he's going to join us on the uh, pod next weekend. I'll believe it when I see it. But shout out to Freddie because he texted me and he was like, I don't believe it. I don't, I don't know if this the guy. This, might, this guy might be, you know, average at best. I'm like, uh, and then he pops the run. He pops the best play that we've seen on offense this season by a Chicago Bear player, period. That play where they're supposed to be carrying out a fake and, and surveying the scene. They sent the blitz. You remember how everybody was bitching about that Buffalo play when he got his head knocked off in the preseason? Nobody mentioned in the third and fourth quarter of that game he saw something and the same blitz came and he was able to identify it. No, no, no. Let's, let's show his helmet popping off and this can't happen to this kid. He remedied, it in that, he remedied it in that game. He had the answer in that game. How about this one? where you're trying to carry out a fake, you're trying to complete the play, execute the play to the best of your ability, they send a blitz that the team wasn't ready for. And he made a play. That's why you draft guys. That's why certain certain guys play above the play. This is a guy that I think is going to play above the play for a very long time. He played above the play. He made NFL players on an NFL defense look silly. There's some good players on that defense. Secondary is in. Fred Warner is one of the best linebackers in the game. They got Eric Armstead and Nick Bosa on that line. He made real players look silly in a clutch moment. I'm, I'm all in. I, I, y'all know that if y'all listen to this pod. As soon as this dude gets some developers, as soon as this dude gets the infrastructure that he needs, Bears going to have a good quarterback for a very, very long time, barring any unforeseen injury. But that defense... Mm-mm. You know who I'm uh, not souring on, but I've been waiting for the dominance, and I know it's a nose tackle and a 3-4 defense, but Vita Vea, who I'm watching right now as we're taping this segment, Vita Vea is one of the best players in the NFL. I'm not expecting Eddie Goldman to be that, but I need some flashes. I need some glimpses, right? It's either we say that Eddie Goldman had a good game because the Bears were able to corral the running game, or people run wild and we're asking, where's Eddie Goldman? This is the where's Eddie Goldman game to me, right? Didn't play last year, COVID and all the other stuff. I dig it. I understand. Had some weird offseason interactions with the Bears this year. I dig it. I understand. But, man, Eddie Goldman was on roller skates. Roll, bounce the entire game. Rock, skate. I'm sitting there like, okay, uh, bring in Tonga. Like, Elijah Mitchell, good running back. 49ers offensive line, good line. But the way they were gashing the Bears, when they knew there was a run play, this is the other thing, too. The Bears earned the right to rush the passer in the first quarter, second quarters of this game. 
49ers were in a lot of third and longs. As I mentioned, third and 23, third and 11, third and seven. They were in a lot of third and longs. They earned the right to rush the passer, couldn't get to the passer. And then the 49ers get the, got their running game going. Elijah Mitchell, it's not like he popped only that 39-yard run. He was getting a lot of sixes and sevens. That's why Roquan Smith didn't have a game that we're used to seeing. But Eddie Goldman was bad. The, the Bears' defense was bad. Anybody gets 30 points, they're going to beat the Bears for the foreseeable future because the offense ain't good and the quarterback is developing. But Darnell Mooney and Justin Fields got something going. Darnell Mooney, uh, I'm sorry, Justin Fields and Cole Komet and those tight ends got something going. Got to get on a better page with Allen Robinson. Not even the same page, a better page. And while we're at it, David Montgomery, who's been out, Khalil Herbert's been running his ass off. This trade deadline that's coming up right here is going to be interesting because it's not like the NBA trade deadline or baseball's trade deadline where you got teams who are under the cap or the cap doesn't matter, right? The cap matters in football. So how much salary can you add nine weeks into a season? How much salary can you truly add? These teams are at or close to the cap, and if they aren't, they're trying to figure out what next offseason is looking like because they're under the cap so far enough for a reason. Akeem Hicks, free agent. I don't know if Bears fans or the Bears have seen the last of Akeem Hicks, but where is that value going forward? He's a, he's a, he's a really impactful player. But he has been injured a lot this year and last year. He's getting older. He's had a, a hell of a Bears career. Hell of a Bears career. But should you start knocking on that door for the trade deadline? Uh, who else are we talking about? And I heard our guy, Pat Manley, longtime Bears uh, long snapper, believes he's played the most games in Bears history. I heard him bring up David Montgomery because of what Khalil Herbert has been. There's a lot of teams out there that need a running back. Are you willing to give up David Montgomery if you're a Bears fan? I just, this game gave me a lot of answers. Also, it gave me the answer of how much hope you should have for this season. This is a pivotal game for this season. Bears got, the Bears schedule, like we talked about, weeks 5 through 11, grinding. They're going to have to grind it out. They got Pittsburgh on Monday night. They've won three in a row. This is going to be tough. Bears about to catch a lot of L's. Who are you still looking forward to being a Bear going forward? Is David Montgomery out there? Is Jimmy Graham out there? I believe Jimmy Graham's got a no-trade clause, though. But, it, it, hell, is Eddie Goldman out there? Like, which names, if you're a Bears fan or if you're the Bears brass, are you sitting talking about after this game? Because trade deadline's coming up. They put it to the middle of the season to try to inspire some, some, you know, some of the same action that you get in the NBA and that you get in Major League Baseball. Also, Larry Borm, right tackle, got thrown in there today. It's another indictment on the Bears coaching staff that this dude, this dude is behind the Jermaine Effetti's of the world and the Elijah Wilkinson's of the world. That dude, he played his ass off. Not saying he was perfect at right tackle, but he had a good game. So as this thing rolls along, you're going to start to see these pieces come to fruition, and I'm, I'm, I'm okay with some of the Bears' young pieces. I truly am. But when you're down four running backs and Justin Fields is out there running for his life, this was the best game that we've seen yet of this young man's career. Hopefully it won't be the last one, and hopefully they'll actually run some play. This is another thing, too. Play calling-wise, this is for you, Willie Beam, a.k.a. Bill Lazor. Dog, 
that team has had the most pass interference calls against them in the NFL this year. The fact that there was only two deep shots taken in the entire game when the protection wasn't as bad as it's been, the protection was average. You got to take some shots, especially with a kid who's looking to take shots. Got to take some shots. You got nothing to lose except for the game, right? You got to inspire and instill some confidence, not only in him as a quarterback, but in this offense. Take some shots. So the Bears lose. Thought it would be a close game. It ended up not being close. I think the score doesn't belie exactly what happened in this one. The, the 49ers are still a team that is well coached, and there's still enough playmakers on it. Debo Samuel, man, hey, if he ain't Anquan Bolden reincarnated, I don't know who is, right? And he's faster than Anquan was coming out of Florida State. Watched him in the SEC of South Carolina and wondered why uh, this dude wasn't on more people's radar. And he gets into the NFL and has become one of the best run-after-catch guys in the NFL, if not the best run-after-catch guy in the NFL. Oh, the other thing, too, the secondary's poorest tackling showed up again today. You know, uh, Jalen Johnson and, and, and Kendall Vildor and a bunch of those guys back there, you got, you got a bunch of guys back there. You're going to have to find out who the players are. But the Bears lose. Uh, it sucks. Uh, I'm not surprised. I thought they would win in a close one, but I'm not surprised they lost. I'm just looking at it saying to myself, you know what? We actually saw a Bill Lazor called game today. No vetoes. No, we should run this. It's the special teams coach and him saying, hey, what you want to run, Bill? And it looked like a coordinated offense. So more indictments for Matt Nagy. I think more hope for people who believe in Justin Fields. And all we're doing is building a bridge to the Chicago Bulls regular season when you awaken, Chicago fan. So that's what it is for me. This Bears team is, uh, I won't say going nowhere fast, but we don't have to worry about the playoffs with this bunch. This defense is too inconsistent. It's getting older, and you got guys who you're not going to pay probably at the end of this season. So we got to find out what the Travis Gibsons of the world, what the Angelo Blacksons of the world look like, and move on because I think the next eight, nine weeks, of course you're going to try to win games, but I think the next eight, nine weeks is about development. Not saying that they're out of it by any stretch of the imagination, but the the way that they're losing some of these games and how they're losing some of these games, out-schemed, out-coached, out-played, whatever the case may be, they're just out. This Bears team is below average, thought that going into this year, but now we get a chance to see a real quarterback developing before our very eyes, before everyone is fired and he has to learn a new system. Mr. This episode is brought to you by Jiffy Lube. Cars can be a big investment, so it's important to take care of them. I once got a car that I started out with 25,000 miles on. I got it to over 200,000 miles because I took care of it. You know how you take care of a car? You take care of the maintenance, the oil, the brakes, all that stuff. And if you don't, you can have a car just completely fall apart. When your car needs maintenance, head to Jiffy Lube. They provide automotive excellence at speed. Get your oil changed, brakes checked, tons of other multi-care services. It's all done by expertly trained technicians who actually care about taking care of you and your car. Jiffy Lube, car more. To find coupons and start an instant online estimate, visit jiffylube.com. 
Bulls talk with Jason Goff on the full goal. Flies in with a two-handed slam dunk. Brought to you by The Ringer, a Spotify original. Hey, Bulls fans. Might have your ass a real team out here. Listen, the Toronto game told me a lot about this team. Even the Knicks loss told me a lot about this team. But the Utah Jazz were fully healthy, and the last unbeaten team after the Bulls lost to the Knicks in the NBA. So going into this game, I was stoked. I was jacked because doing the pre and post, it has become uh, more of a joy, especially this season. I got the job, what, three years ago now? This is my third season. Got the job three years ago, and the first two seasons were dreadful. Uh, Not just because uh, the team was bad, but – we weren't learning enough about some of these young players. Uh, there was a, a coach who was in over his head in Jim Boylan in the year, in the first year that I was on this this gig, and the gig was very new to me. So every game I went in with stress. I'm trying to watch every second of every quarter of every play and guys' reactions and going back home and watching the game again, like I'm, you know, apt to do every once in a while. And this year, there was a, a release of a lot of that stress, not only because of the offseason, but because got more comfortable with the gig. And this game was so important for me, one, because this is the first time we've been back to the United Center because of COVID in, what, 18 months, something like that? Our pre- and post-game show used to do damn near every home game for a stretch last year, well, two years ago now, especially down the stretch of the season. At the UC, did road games on the studio floor and then did home games at the UC. Got back in the UC, happy to see a whole bunch of people, the concessions, uh, the, 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 the security, uh, you know, seeing some of the Bulls PR people. Got a chance to run in my guy, Adam Amin, and my guy, Stacey King, who do the play-by-play in color for the Bulls. Tim Sinclair, the, the PA guy, said, what's up? Like, it was fun. It was cool to see the people in the stands all masked up. People just, hey, golf, what's happening? It was good. It was cool. It was fun. The Jazz are in town, so you got a real team with a real coach and two All-Stars and Donovan Mitchell and Rudy Gobert. And then the game starts. Listen, y'all. I'm going to tell you now, this season's teetering. And I know I just came out with all the all the hope and all the fanfare that you need as a Bulls fan. But nah, man, this season's teetering. And I'm going to tell you why. Patrick Williams' dislocated wrist is a bigger deal than I think even we have made. The Bulls are a small squad. And Patrick Williams is going to have to play a lot of small ball five. Right, he's gonna have to play a lot of small center where you're six foot eight, six foot nine, and you're 235 pounds. Here goes the other team's small center. How many minutes can you stay on without giving up, you know, uh, negative plus minus pretty much? Like, how, how long can you stay on with, without us hurting or without the, the team needing to go big? Or because that's all it is, it's a chess match. If I put my small guys in, can you stay big while my smalls are in without? Getting, giving up a lead or without uh, a lead being dwindled away. Patrick Williams not being there going forward, especially for the rest of this season, 
it puts the Bulls at a tremendous rebounding disadvantage and a tremendous defensive disadvantage. Derrick Jones Jr. got in there for his first real action, had three blocks, gave him the energy they need. They're still small with him. He's six foot six, got a crazy wingspan, crazy ups, uh, you know, but not a physical player. He's a weak side defender, a guy who's going to get his hands in some passing lanes, super active, but too many minutes, you're going to expose his deficiencies. Same thing with Javante Green. Javante Green is, is one of my favorite players on this squad. He's a dude who's hungry all the time. He's trying to prove something. This guy's been, you know, across the, the water several times playing basketball, I believe in Germany and, and a couple of other spots. Uh, he was his conference's small school, but he was his conference's defensive player of the year. So you know where he's going to make his bones. But he's six foot five. Again, a smaller guy. Nikola Vucevic still hasn't found a touch from the field. I was a four for 19, a big shot, hit a huge shot in the fourth quarter down the stretch against the Jazz, but he hasn't found his touch. So the functionality of the bigs has been missing, whether it be defensively or offensively. A lot has been put on the shoulders of the backcourt guys, and we talked about it on the pre- and post-game show. Lonzo Ball and Alex Caruso are going to have to shoot the ball a little bit more, be a little bit more aggressive, especially with P-Will being out and, and, and some of the, the issues that Vooch has had early on this season and around the basket. But the reason why I say it's teetering is because not only the problems that you're going to have with Patrick Williams being out lineup-wise, but Zach Levine's finger ain't good. That thumb is bothering him, and it's going to continue to bother him. If it's a pain tolerance issue, I can dig it, but he's going to be in some pain every game until something gives here, right? And and people are like, oh, you know, just get it taken care of. You don't know how long that rehab is. You, you know, this is a season where – uh, AK and Mark Eversley have pushed not their, all their chips to the table, but a sizable amount of their chips to the table. When you go from a team that's counting on Kobe White, Larry Markin, and Wendell Carter Jr., along with Zach Levine, to Lonzo Ball, DeMar DeRozan, Nikola Vucevic, and Zach Levine, you're telling the Eastern Conference and your peers, we're here now, right? And if Zach takes that time off, if Zach does have a procedure, that's why you went out and got DeMar DeRozan, right? And, and kudos to DeMar DeRozan, who after a, a tough possession at the end of the game against the New York Knicks, comes out and carries the team for 30 points, put a 30 ball on the Jazz, who put every defender they possibly could on him. DeMar DeRozan's a professional scorer. You don't expect him to shy away from a moment after a tough one, right? That's rookie stuff or that's young player stuff. But the Zach Levine thumb injury is something that I think everybody's going to have to keep an eye on because there's a few times during the game he grabbed it. A few times during the game, he winced, you know, after a hard foul. And on top of it, I don't even think it's going to affect his scoring. It's going to affect his ball handling, him getting to his spots with his left hand. If I'm a defender, I'm sitting on that right. Hey, man, I'm going to see how, how, how impactful that thumb injury is. I'll never forget, uh, God rest the dead, Kobe Bryant. <laughs> he was dragging that finger at the end of his career. I believe it was his left ring finger. And he had just heard it again. And people were talking about surgery. And he was like, nah, I'm going to play. I'm going to play through the pain. And I don't know if you remember this, Chris, but I, I used to play it often uh, on the show back in the day on the score. But I asked Kobe Bryant. Do NBA guys go at injuries when they, when they hear about them, when it's announced? You know, everybody knows you have a broken finger. Do guys kind of go at it just, just to see if, you know, test you at the beginning of the game sometimes? Uh, probably. Probably. Would you go at my finger? Yeah. Good. I need another 80. <laughs> <laughs> and that was the, the interaction that me and Kobe Bryant had, you know, that, that I will always remember. You know, he was always gracious with his time. He was always professional. It took forever to get dressed, but that's what the stars do, right? But 
he was always that dude. And then he has that moment. And I'm like, oh, I can dig it. I know why people think you're crazy in a good way. Zach Levine's going to have to be crazy in a good way with this thumb. Having pain tolerance during a basketball game while adrenaline is rushing is, is one thing. Having pain tolerance at practice and being on training table and, and, and always uh, getting therapy for that thing, it becomes monotonous. And, and it takes away from your joy. It takes away from your routine. I'm going to check. Like, we're going to have to keep a close eye on Zach the rest of this season and how people are going to defend him. And then we get to the post game because the Bulls were down, I believe, 15, 20 points. They mess around and come back. Uh, they had the 10-0 run at the end of the game. Big shots by Vooch. Big shots by DeMar DeRozan. A couple of huge stops with Alex Caruso and Lonzo Ball leading the way. They were blitzing the pick and roll in the way that they did against the, in, uh, against the Knicks at the end of the game with Kimball Walker. That actually proved very, very fruitful. They didn't do it the, the first three quarters of the game. They did it in the fourth quarter, and they came back, eventually losing the game, took that defensive philosophy into the Utah Jazz game, and actually it worked. Donovan Mitchell had to work for his points. Jordan Clarkson had to work for his points, and I think if you can shut those two guys down or, or make it tough on them, you got a good chance of beating the Utah Jazz. Then we get to the postgame show. And in my three years of doing this show, and doing this job and us being on the concourse pre-COVID at the United Center where we have all the fans in the world, right? The drunk people, the people with the kids. You got the businessmen special where dudes are leaving the gig and slacks and the button up and then putting a jersey on over the button up, which is the wildest look in the UC. I think it's the wild because I used to see it at Phillips in Atlanta too. Fellas, if you're going out after the game, just take yourself a T-shirt to work, Right. Uh, just just, just do that. Take a hoodie to work, right? You're already out there in your best dockers, pleated pants out here, your wing toe, your wingtip shoes or your, or your loafers. Throwing that jersey over a damn button-up is atrocious, right? You're pretty much telling all the younger people in the, in the crowd, yes, I am a dad, and yes, I go to Costco and I buy tires, right, like, like, like dads do. I did that today, Jason. I shit. You went to Costco and bought tires. I bought tires today. God bless you. See, <laughs> see, you're gonna wear a fucking jersey over a button up soon. This is what this is the transformation, fam. This is it. This is it. You know, the moment that your lady throws away the underwear that you've been holding on to too long, you have now become a washed up dad or washed up old guy. Right now, now all you need is that you know. That hot Pete Myers jersey over a button-up, and you're good. You're good money. But all the people in the world we've had for the last three years on the concourse, hanging out with us, going crazy behind us, it's hard. It's hard to do TV when you got 45 people screaming behind you. TV and radio should be done in the studio, but you get the outside feel. You get the live interaction. I understand why it's done. In all my days, I haven't had anybody run into a camera shot, and it happened last night he played his game up into the fourth quarter look at this 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 ladies and gentlemen you don't want to do that on this set so a young man because it was tony kukoc night by the way at the uc uh you know he's a hall of famer now and they celebrated joakim noah the night before now you get tony kukoc in here It's, it's it's old bulls week i'm with it i love tony as a player straight up 
Like the there was no needing to prove it to me or fall in love. Nah, nah. I was like, oh, we getting Europeans? Bet. Dino Raja, you go to Boston. We're going to get Tony Kukoc. And, of course, Tony Kukoc was not only a sixth man of the year, but a, a, a vital part, an integral part of the six – well, not the six, but of championships here in the city of Chicago. So shout out to Tony Kukoc. Awesome dude. Steve Kerr's Tony Kukoc story is one of the best of all time. You go ahead and Google it or YouTube it on your own time. But Tony Kukoc is being celebrated. There is a young man in a – Benny the Bull mascot head, I'm assuming, for Halloween because we had a lot of people in there for Halloween. By the way, uh, what are we going to talk about, you know, these trifling-ass women who who want to be damn near half-naked because I appreciate it and Lord knows you should if you want to because I'm not telling anyone how to dress. But y- y'all kind of stole Halloween from the kids, right? Uh, y'all, it-, it was a kid's holiday. And, you know, if you're a grown-up dr- walking around – dressed for Halloween, you know, shout out to you. It's just really not my bag. I know a lot of people out there, Halloween is their favorite time of the year, but you got a bunch of ladies out here running around with with whatever they really want to run around in, and that's cool. You know, knock yourself out. You have the right to do so, but you got the women who have stolen Halloween, and then you've got the drunk-ass men who all they want to do is put on a costume so they could be assholes, and it's as simple as that. Shout out to the dudes out there who put on costumes and just go to a party and be regular dudes. I, I, I can't be myself in a costume. I guess that's the whole bit, right? But there are the drunk dudes who put on costumes, or even worse, who put on mascot heads and then run into his camera shot. This dude had on a Tony Kukoc jersey and a Benny the Bull mascot head, ran into our camera shot and started pointing to his, his jersey with Coach on the back, his back turned to the camera. I see the guy coming under the tape, and I'm like, what is happening here? I didn't have, like, some Monica Seles anger moment where it's like, uh-oh, this dude's coming to do something to me. But at the same time, you're doing your job, and all of a sudden somebody runs onto the field to play. So shout-out to the Chicago legend that is Steve G., one of our floor managers at NBC Sports Chicago. He is out there at the atrium with us. He gets underneath, like perfect leverage, gets underneath the pad level of this fat bastard that ran into our camera shot and lifts him up into the air, pushing him by the way fellas if your feet are ever off the ground you done fucked up because now you are at the 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 will of another man which is always a bad thing in a physical interaction his feet are off the ground he gets jazzy jeffed off the ground and 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 gets thrown out of the 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 area and it's on on our Twitter feed, by the way, at Jason One Golf. If you wanna you wanna go check it out, he gets raised up. Steve is is out here huffing and puffing because you know you, you you're in a physical altercation, the adrenaline's rushing, and Kendall Gill's trying to calm everybody down because Kendall done put the hands on people before. And, and if you're in Chicago, you know exactly who I'm talking about. Former Northwestern basketball player. I don't even want to name him and embarrass him here, but you know Kendall's like, hey. You know, my hands are registered deadly weapons. I don't want to put my hands on anybody. I'm sitting there like, all right, let me take off my watch real quick because, you know, if we get to scrapping, I want to make sure that, you know, this doesn't go anywhere. But Steve is doing his thing. The dude gets thrown out of the, the area. And then he proceeds to walk around the atrium threatening us, throwing down the rakes, throwing gang signs. I'm like, oh, it takes a real thug to gangbang in the United Center atrium. That's that was my favorite part. But ladies and gentlemen, 
we have a problem in America. Everybody wants to be a part of the show. Sit your ass down and relax, right? And and I think this is is more germane uh, to a certain section of people who just can't stop being a part of the show, like the people who throw shit onto the field or the people who like I'm not even a booer. I don't even boo when I go to games, right? Because I don't need to get down like that. Like, you know you suck on the field. I don't need to help you, right? I'll clap. You know, I'll get into it. I'll high-five people in the, in the crowd. But I don't even boo. I don't even get into it to that extent. But you know who I'm talking about. These assholes who, who clap at a movie theater. You know what I mean? When, when a scene happens and you're like, hey, bravo. And meanwhile, you done missed the dialogue for the next five minutes because you're giving a standing ovation like we had a goddamn play, right? Right? These are the people who run on the field, who run into camera shots. Don't be these people. Don't be, because one, you're going to get bum rushed. You're going to get thrown out the club. And then two, like this dude, after he took his Bulls mascot head off, he allowed security to see him, who he was. I saw people taking pictures of him. This man's probably not going to be allowed back in the United Center. And from the looks of it, there's not many social circles that he's going to be able to be in. So the United Center is probably the last bastion of hope for him to either find somebody or, you know, be normal. So, yeah, it was a it was a it was a bad instance for not only him, but for all the drunkards uh, in the city of Chicago, because now we're going to be on high alert. But the Bulls are back. The Bulls are fun. But the season might be teetering, if that makes any sense. Patrick Williams injury, Zach's continuing injury, uh, how small they are. Like the Bulls and Billy Donovan are going to have to really figure. We're going to find out what kind of coach Billy Donovan is here. I think he's a really good coach, by the way. But he's got some real deficiencies on that roster. And he's got an ailing star player. So going forward, check out the defense. Watch the rebounding. Hopefully Vooch gets his touch back here soon, right? Because he's going to get it back. But here soon, hopefully he gets his touch back. I need Lonzo Ball to be a little bit more aggressive. And I need y'all dumbasses to stay out of the camera shot because I don't want to see y'all get hurt. Time for some commercials. This episode is brought to you by Cars.com. When you add your car to your garage on Cars.com, you'll unlock access to real-time insights into how much your car is worth. Plus, view its historical and projected value to decide when to sell. So when the time is right, you can secure an instant offer from a local dealership or sell it yourself on cars.com. Start tracking your car's value with your garage on cars.com. Connect with the show 24-7 on the full gold voicemail line. Hit us up at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. All right, it's now time for our um, used to be most favorite part of the show, but you guys' uh, interaction has really gone downward the last three weeks. Uh, I, I, I don't say this to uh, get mad at you. I just say this because I'm disappointed. Step your game up with these voicemails. You know the phone number. You got it locked into your contacts. You know, maybe the Bears are getting you down. Maybe you haven't really turned the page to get into this bull season, but I would need these voicemails to get either more interesting funnier, spicier. Hell, you can tell me what's going on in your life, what music you're listening to, how much you love or hate the pod, but but start to step this shit up on the voicemail, all right? That, that's my last time telling you, I, and damn it, I'm not going to say it again. All right, so Rudy, Tanny, what we got? 
Hey, this is Larry from Orlando. Just calling by after the, just calling right after the Bears game. Uh, it was a tough loss, uh, especially since we were hanging in there. I love the way that Justin Fields looked um, after watching this game. It made me uh, resolute in the fact that we need to get him as far away from Matt Nagy as possible because we just lost to Matt Nagy, West Coast, and Kyle Shanahan. Um, but I don't know. It's going to be a tough year, but when you have games like that where he looked good, I mean, I guess that's the that's the bright spot that we just kind of got to keep looking for as Bears fans. Um, all right, that's all I got, man. Happy Halloween, and we'll and keep doing what you're doing. I'm with you, Larry, and appreciate you uh, listening to the pod down there in Orlando. I got some Florida peeps out there, so I appreciate all y'all. Uh, yeah, I'm with you, man. Like I said, uh, another indictment, I think, of Matt Nagy as a play caller. Uh, it seemed as if Bill Lazor was able to call the game that he wanted to call with no interruptions, no interactions, no vetoes. You know Chris Tabor ain't, ain't messing around, you know, pulling his belt up like, all right, it's time for me to run this thing. No, you special teams coach, fam. You coach special teams. That's it. You know, I don't care how many offensive and defensive players you deal with. It's time for me to call these plays. And it looked like a coordinated game plan. And if you're a Bears fan or if you're a Justin Fields fan, there is room there for not just improvement, but room for hope. The Bears didn't punt, if I'm not mistaken. Bears didn't punt until the third quarter. I believe like three minutes left in the third quarter, like late in the third quarter. By the way, Khalil Herbert got hurt on a play that the Bears should take out of their playbook. There is nothing good that has happened this year from the toss sweep out of the shotgun formation. Not a damn thing. They ran it a couple of times early in the season on fourth down plays. And I believe both of them weren't converted. On this one, there's a, a bad exchange, a bad toss from Justin to Khalil Herbert. He has to reach behind him. And then he gets bounced on by two defenders uh, for the San Francisco 49ers, right? And they had to take him back and do the protocol. He got his knee actually, I'm sorry, he got his head pushed back by one of the knees of the 49, uh, 49ers defenders. So yeah, man, uh, remove that toss sweep shotgun play out of that damn playbook because nothing good is happening. All right, Tanny, what else we got? My man, Golf, the coolest black man in Chi-Town since number 23. What's going on? <laughs> Listen, brother. I'm just calling before something goes wrong in this Bears game because you know how they do us. They just, you know, tug at our heartstrings. But Justin Fields, he just scored that touchdown run, and my brother, I lost my shit. You hear me? Like, I ain't going to play like that all year long. That might be the play of the season for him. I appreciate the rookie. Keep up the good work. Hopefully they don't lose this game. Like I said, I'm calling before the end of the game because, you know, just how they do us. So, I hope they win. Justin, keep doing what the fuck you do, rookie. Jason, Chris, Joe from Chicago. Hope y'all are doing well. Obviously not thrilled with that Bears defensive performance today. But whatever. Because we have Justin Skyler Fields. That man went out there and made the best play that a Bears QB has ever made. <laughs> I don't want to hear about those Sid Luckman plays. I don't want to hear about Jim McMahon. <laughs> Matt Cutler never had this. Nah. Justin Fields out here distracting us from that horrible defensive display. I don't know what it is, but Justin Fields has it. And the Bears have a quarterback. So I'm feeling pretty good. Always appreciate y'all. Have a good one. Fourth and one. 
Looked like a usual Bears play. Seen that before? Nope. The kid did something special, man. He is special. And, look, it takes way more than a quarterback to turn this thing around. But you know what? It's on this organization now to not screw it up. You got something here. And I know we got something, but if everybody sees it now. you got to be able to see it. The kid can play. And, man, I know that you've talked about it before. In this day and age, yes, a player can lose his uh, job to injury. Well, guess what? A coach should lose his job to injury, man, because it's obvious. Cut Nagy. Move on. Alice Open Dollar Bill would have been calling the plays, running the show, but that's all right. We got whoever that dude was. That's okay. But look, man, just start over. The whole thing from the top to the bottom. But here's the thing, man. Will it ever change as long as Ted Phillips is? Oh, man, I'm going into full. No, I'm just going to enjoy the moment. Look, it's a loss. <laughs> the kid can play. We'll be all right in 2033. <laughs> I think. Oh, man. There it is. There it is. We got Q from the north side. We got Joe from Chicago. We got Larry from Orlando. We got all the guys. And by the way, we got to start mixing it up. I don't, I don't know if the ladies aren't uh, digging the pod, but they tell me they are on Twitter. So we got to get the ladies involved. Uh, and, and we're also going to get the ladies involved on the on the guest booking side of things, too. Hopefully some of the names uh, that we're throwing out there, because I think Stacey Dales does a terrific job, right, covering the, the NFL for – uh, she's on Fox, right? Yeah, she covers the NFL for Fox. So I'm, I'm hoping that we can get her sometime soon because she's been around this Bears team a lot over the last couple of years. But, man, the voicemail segment, always fun. We appreciate you guys' feedback. We love when you call us. Uh, you already know the number, so I don't have to say it again. But that was our voicemail segment. We'll be back with more of the full goal with Jason Goff. After a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by State Farm. You might say all kinds of stuff when things go wrong, but these are the words you really need to remember. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. They've got options to fit your unique insurance needs, meaning you can talk to your agent to choose the coverage you need, have coverage options to protect the things you value most, file a claim right on the State Farm mobile app, and even reach a real person when you need to talk to someone. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Hey, it's Len Casper, the radio voice of the White Sox. You're listening to The Full Go with Jason Goff. It's time for Outside the Shy, and usually it's about a game or it's about uh, you know, some hot topic out there like Kyrie or, you know, the vaccination with certain players and everything that we discuss, you know, the, the Blackhawks scandal, obviously that's inside the shy, but, you know, we try to get something in here in the outside the shy segment that maybe you weren't privy to or just something that we're interested in. And for me personally, uh, Lane Johnson, and what's happening with him and the Philadelphia Eagles. And if you don't know, uh, Tim McManus from ESPN.com, who's been all over this story, wrote, Philadelphia Eagles offensive tackle Lane Johnson opened up about his ongoing battle with anxiety Sunday and explained the circumstances that led to him stepping away from football earlier this season. Johnson said he was experiencing severe withdrawal symptoms after he stopped taking an SSRI medication, a type of antidepressant that works by increasing levels of serotonin within the brain. He likened the symptoms to having the flu quote a lot of nausea and a lot of vomiting except the illness does not go away he said he was been dealing with the situation for close to two months but it worsened during the week leading up to the game against the Kansas City Chiefs 
said football wasn't even a question at the time. It was something that I felt even before the season. And we are in a time now, close quote, by the way, we're in a time now where we're going to have to start getting used to players missing games and sometimes seasons or shutting it down because of injuries that some don't think are real, but many won't see physically. Uh, when Ricky Williams was going through what he was going through with his social anxiety and wearing his helmet during interviews and, you know, being the quiet, uh, you know, subdued, introverted dude while being one of the greatest college football players of all time and actually being a damn good NFL player for a little bit too, just took a pounding and probably had way too many carries in his collegiate career. But we, we've heard about what marijuana has done for Ricky Williams and his anxiety. Uh, you hear about Lane Johnson having to step away because uh, an adverse uh, reaction to medication. And I, I don't want to, you know, personalize this too much, but what's going on with Ben Simmons, what's going on with Lane Johnson and, and Ben Simmons hasn't established that he's got, you know, something uh, happening with his mental health. But for a couple of years now, I've been keeping an eye on that dude because this shooting thing ain't easy. It, you know, this, this shooting thing that we talk about with him, the same thing with Chuck Knobloch and Steve Sachs, I believe before with throwing the first base and throwing the second base. Like when you have a mental block, you can't get through it by yourself. And what do we know athletes to be? We know athletes to be resilient. We know athletes to persevere. We know athletes to get to the next level, right? They, they filter themselves through, whether it be college, high school, uh, professional ranks. They get through so much, and they get to the pinnacle of their industry or their career, and then we must think, all right, well, you're impenetrable. You can't be stopped. You don't need anything. This is what these guys and girls are running into now, whether it be DeMar DeRozan, Kevin Love, who are outspoken about what their anxiety and what their stress and what their mental health has done to them and how it's affected their careers, whether it be um, Ben Simmons, who, like I said, he hasn't copped to this or I'm not trying to diagnose him. But when a guy isn't shooting but shoots in practice and shoots in rec league games or open gyms and all these highlights that we see in the offseason, there's obviously something going on there mentally. I just don't believe he's some kind of asshole choosing not to shoot. Now, I could be wrong. I could be wrong. But there's something going on there. And he's had a, a, a history of uh, mental health issues in his family. And the Showtime documentary uh, documented that. But on a personal level, I have just started to figure out why I've so wrapped up and so uptight at times and so worried about things that I have done for 20 years. Like every one of these podcasts, I'm nervous as hell to start it. And then I just ease into it, right? This has been this way my entire career. I sometimes think about things that I am saying while I am saying them and how I'm going to finish the sentence. This has been this way my entire life. So just imagine a person whose job it is to talk having issues with not only talking, but thinking clearly enough to make sure that you guys are understanding me. Now, think about professional athletes who have the highest of stress. And I know there are people out there gonna be like, no, these aren't stressful jobs, man. Do you see the value that is being put into these guys financially? That is putting that is being invested into these guys and their communities and you know faces of the franchise. The pressures that are on these guys and girls is real. And then on top of it, you got to deal with human issues. And, and, and my guy Sarudi put up there, Calvin Ridley is dealing with this. Guess what? Everybody's dealing with this. 
So what we're going to have to do as a sport and society is start to see that the guys and girls that we think are superhuman, they're not. They're not. And we've known that they're not superhuman, right? But we project our own inadequacies and insecurities on these people because they make a lot of money. You're seeing adverse reactions to uh, medication that's supposed to help you with your mental health. Guess what? It happens. It happens to regular people the same way it happens to athletes. And athletes also are going to have to start to notice that, you know what? You ain't weak. You ain't soft. You're just dealing with something that you can't get through on your own. I had this conversation on my group chat this weekend. I implore all my friends and family, go talk to somebody. Go get some help. No matter if you think everything is great, because there's always something there that might be too deep or too dug in for you to unearth by yourself. And then maybe your life would be a little bit simpler. Your life would be a little bit less complicated. Your stresses won't annoy you to the point where you're, you know, bothering everybody else around you. Or even worse, even worse, because I am one of these dudes in this industry. And I think, you know, people close to me, you know, are this way. You allow everything to get stifled. Like, think about being Lane Johnson and you got to go up against... Uh, you know, Shaq Barrett or Von Miller or one of these guys out here who are just terrors on the edge and you got to watch film and you got to study and do all. And by the way, you're going through something mentally. And I know smallest violin because they're getting paid 10, 9, 8, 7 million dollars a year, whatever the case may be. That money don't mean shit when you're locked up in the head. So kudos to Lane Johnson for thinking about his well-being and his mental health. Yeah, are some people using his mental health as a wave to, to kind of skirt some other issues? Yeah, but far be it from me to have a look at a guy or girl in professional, collegiate, amateur, whatever, whatever sports that you are in and say, this person should be tougher than that. Those days are getting out of here, right? A lot of dinosaurs in the sports world are, 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 are seeing their ice age, right? Whether it be the unwritten rules of baseball, the gatekeepers of baseball, the old hard hockey dudes and, and girls out there who, you know, used to love fighting and said it would ruin the game if you took it away. And the game's fine. Game's fine. We're going to have to get to that next step in evolution as fans. Because when we see guys, when we see girls take games off because they need a mental health break, listen to them. Listen to them. Because you might be going through the same thing. The difference is you get to go home and not have cameras on you. The difference is you don't have the stresses of all that money, which comes along with its own sets of stress, right? Because if you're taking games off, you might be in a situation where it's tenuous at best that you're going to earn that kind of money going forward because you're not going to be, quote, available, quote, reliable. Now you have the stress of taking care of multiple families because of how much money you are making, right? So I think we need to get, and I know a lot of fans are there, but I think more fans need to get to the space where if you're going to see guys and girls miss games and it's going to be due to mental health issues and you're just going to have to peel back and treat it like an ACL, Treated like a shoulder, treated like a, you know, a, a fractured eye socket, whatever the case may be. All these injuries that you think hurt like hell, man, there's a lot of stuff going on in people's brains that are crippling them more than any surgery ever would. Coming up on the next episode of The Full Goal with Jason Goff. All right, that's it for this episode. We'll be back Tuesday night with all the latest from Hallis Hall. Plus, the Bulls face a big test on the East Coast as they face Boston and then Philly in a home-and-home. 
As always, we love hearing from you guys, so make sure you hit us up on the Full Go voicemail line at 773-359-3103. That's 773-359-3103. Thank you to our producers. They're great. They're friendly. They, they look me in the face for the first 15 seconds of the podcast, and then they go away into their Zoom corners. Steve Cerruti and, of course, my main man, Chris Tannehill. Thank you so much once again for listening to the Full Go podcast with Jason Goff. As always, it's brought to you by The Ringer. Spotify is the gang. Make sure you are sharing this thing, downloading this thing, subscribing this thing, telling your people about this thing. We always appreciate you. Rate and review us as well. Make sure you rate and review us because you know you love us. Take care of each other out there and be safe. Thank you for listening to my daddy. It's a full goal.